and welcome back to another episode of the History Revision podcast. Uh, and today is the second episode in our exploration of how the Cold War spreads to Asia following our look at China last episode. Uh, today we're going to consider the Korean War and its impact on the Cold War. So Korea has been divided since the end of World War II, as agreed in the Potsdam Conference, and it's done in much the same way as Germany. Although unlike Germany, which was split into four zones, Korea is split into two, with the US and USSR controlling half the country each. Keen to secure their zones, the two separate nations were created, North Korea and South Korea, in 1948, with Kim Il-sung emerging as a leader of communist North Korea and American-backed Syngman Rhee, a nationalist and determined anti-communist taking control of South Korea. But uh, there was an uneasy relationship between North and South Korea from the start, uh, and tensions immediately emerged between these two rival nations, with Rhee calling for American support in overthrowing the North, and Kim sending raiding parties into the South. So it was an uneasy start uh, to these two new nations the relationship between these two new nations. And this really escalated in 1949 with Kim calling on Soviet support for an invasion of the South. Now, Stalin was wary of sending Soviet soldiers to fight because America had 7,500 of its soldiers stationed in the South and he wanted to avoid a direct confrontation between American and Soviet soldiers that could then spiral, escalate out of control into maybe a, a, a wider conflict between the two. As a result, he encouraged China to back the North Korean invasion instead. But ultimately, eventually, Stalin was reluctantly persuaded to support the invasion with weapons and equipment. So there wouldn't be Soviet soldiers fighting in the South or against the South, but there would be Soviet weapons and equipment. Um, The reason he wanted to do this is one, as I've already said, he was keen to avoid a conflict with American soldiers, but two, he was also still very much focused on events unfolding in Europe. This is only just after the Berlin blockade has come to an end, um, and he wants to make sure that Soviet presence in Europe is was as strong as possible, uh, and that um, their control over areas like the Eastern Bloc remained um, firm. However, backed by Chinese forces, but also America, Soviet Union equipment, uh, in June 1950, the North invaded the South. Now the pattern of the conflict uh, is best shown by the series of maps that were given out in class but also available online if you search South Korean, sorry, if you search the Korean War in four maps you'll you'll get uh, what I'm talking about. But as an overview, Korea when it was divided uh, after World War II was divided along the 38th parallel and when the war starts in June 1950 it initially goes very well for the North and they force American and South Korean forces into full retreat as far as a region called the Pusan region, right on the southern tip of the peninsula. And at that stage, it looks like the North is going to be victorious and to conquer the South of Korea. However, American-backed UN forces then counter, pushing the North Korean army back all the way to the border of China. And at this stage, it looks like uh, North Korea is going to be wiped out, it's going to be defeated and the South will prevail. However, because they get so close to the Chinese border uh, and because of uh, rumours that uh, 
the US may then use this as a springboard to invade China itself, the China, China enters the war more formally. Um, and that tips the war back in favor of the North and they push the American and UN forces back towards the 38th parallel. And the result of this is that by June 1951, so only after a year of fighting, the war reaches a stalemate. Uh, and when peace is negotiated two years later, the peninsula is divided in almost exactly the same place as before the war. So these four key phases, the North being on top, the South countering and then being the more dominant power, um, the North countering again and pushing back towards 38th and then this final settlement around the 38th parallel, finalizing and, and resulting in two new nations or two, two separate nations, sorry, I should say, that uh, are still exist still exist to this day. So why is this conflict significant? You know, it's good to have an overview of what happened. You need to know the details of the conflict if you're ever asked, for example, that uh, uh, write an account question. But we need to think about why it's significant to the Cold War in general. Well, first of all, with the USSR boycotting the UN, America was able to pass a resolution calling for the immediate withdrawal of North Korean troops from the South. And that meant the US was able to send troops to support free with UN backing, and it allowed America to claim it was not working on its own. So we see here the UN being an important institution, the, the importance of the Soviet boycott of the UN, putting them on the back foot internationally when it comes to this conflict, because it seems like America is able to sell it as the South being the invaded nation that needs defending and, and has the UN's backing to prove that that is the case. Secondly, American involvement demonstrated their commitment to containing communism as expressed in NSC 68. If you remember, NSC 68 was um, something we introduced last episode relating to China falling to communism, and it, it basically emphasized that America was committed to, con to containing communism and also um, increased its military spending, and we really see that borne out in its involvement in the Korean War. Third, it's the first example of a key aspect of the Cold War, which is proxy wars. Here in Korea, you have America fighting an enemy largely supplied by the Soviet Union. So neither side is directly attacking the other. They're fighting through a proxy, and that proxy is uh, North and South Korea. Fourth, this was the first conflict where both superpowers had nuclear weapons available to use. The Soviet Union develops the atom bomb in 1949, uh, and that puts the two superpowers on more of an equal footing. And you have General MacArthur's comments that nuclear weapons could be deployed in the Korean conflict. And that demonstrated that the use of nuclear weapons was not ruled out and made wars like this even more dangerous. So as soon as you put nuclear weapons as a potential option for both sides, consequences were not potentially when sorry were now potentially far more catastrophic if if either side decides to use those nuclear weapons we're not talking about a localized proxy war we're talking about a catastrophic potentially world-ending conflict fifth but linked to that fourth point though is the dismissal of general macarthur following those comments and that's significant because it reveals that America did not want to risk a nuclear war and therefore had become much more wary of a direct military conflict with the Soviet Union. So when we tie that all together, Korea is a significant moment in, in the Cold War because 
as we said previously, is perhaps slightly unprecedented. It's the first time we have the two sides fighting these proxy wars, although it's not the first direct confrontation. We've had that over Berlin. It is the first time we have both sides backing a different opponent um, and not directly engaging in fighting, but supporting either side of a conflict which prevents a wider war breaking out between uh, America or helps to prevent a war breaking out between America and the Soviet Union while still allowing them to pursue their foreign policy aims. Next episode, we'll be exploring the Vietnamese conflict and thinking about its impact on the Cold War. So I look forward to you joining us then. Thank you.